Good morning. If you haven't already, um, let's go ahead and set your clocks to 1109. <laughs> We're going to start in a, at a low place and end at a high place today. So bear with me with this um, first quote. So let's pray. Father, I'm amazed continually at your grace and your generosity. At the word that you give us, the hope that you give us, the promises that you give us. Energize our hearts and our faith today as we hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, do any of y'all know Brenda Joyce? No, none of you. None of you know Brenda Joyce. She, she wrote a novel called An Impossible Attraction. And I saw this quote in it. I've been studying the Israelites this um, a lot this year and... I thought about them when I read this. So let me read this to you. I am strong, but I am tired, Stephen. Tired of always having to be the strong one. Tired of always doing the right thing. I thought, you know, that really sounds like the Israelites. As a matter of fact, it sounds like mankind, oh, really sounds like me sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes we do get tired of being strong, and we aren't. And sometimes we get tired of doing the right thing. I don't know about you, but sometimes we don't. Um, so, you know, as I've been studying the Hebrews, it, it, a lot of pages in the Bible are dedicated to that group of people because we're so much like them. If we would just look at that and look at the situations they're in, look at their responses, look at their faithfulness to God and say, wow, you know, I used to think they were stupid, but the longer I've walked with God, I've seen, you know, it's a pretty good mirror to look at sometimes. Um, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews again, the third and fourth chapters of Hebrews. Um, if you want to go ahead and begin turning there. Um, the book up to this point makes a strong case for why Jesus is better in every way. Um, this appeal is to uh, the Hebrew believers, but uh, he's better in every way. For the whole world, um, so let's let's just read this passage. I'm actually going to start in chapter three. It's a rather long, long passage this morning. Chapter three and verse twelve is where we're going to start. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did it did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not the, with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, if we had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished, from the foundation of the world. For God has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who had formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes another a certain day. Today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it had been said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of God with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is an interesting passage. Uh, and at first reading, there are a lot of things that's like, well, how does all that stuff fit together? Because, you know, we, we all can lift one verse out. We all know the verse about 
for the Word of God is living and active. But when you set it in context, it is a sweet, sweet verse. It is a sweet, sweet verse. And hopefully today, I, I really trust that we'll see that. And what follows is even sweeter. So, um, to me, you know, we're, some of us have been walking with God 31 plus years. You know, watching each other in, in the good times and bad and getting used to each other's isms and all those things. Um, and so it's easy to say, well, this doesn't apply to me. This doesn't apply to me. I, I believe and I'm already at rest. I'm resting in my salvation. It, one of the things that we're going to be looking at today, and I'll be moving through different <coughs> different kinds of rest. I'm not going to tell you when I am. You just discern for yourself what what the Lord's trying to tell you about what level of rest He really wants you to really begin to enjoy. Um, so I want to start in the Old Testament because it has a lot to say about rest. Um, I remember Roger's been going through the Ten Commandments and not the last, his last message, but the one before, I think, was about the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And so it, you know, it's part of the law, but the whole Sabbath requirement is a, a creation ordinance. It happened long before the law was given. And um, the Bible says in the very beginning that God created for six days and on the seventh day he rested. It wasn't because he was tired. You know, the Bible tells us he never slumbers or sleeps. It tells us that he's omnipotent, all powerful. So, why did God rest? Why did he? It was for an example for us. It was a key to life. It's a, it's, it was a key to the way to live. Um, and it was an example of a promise. That is, some for now, but some for later. And so, uh, it's interesting to me, God wasn't restless. He was at peace. After He created each day, what did He say about each day after creation? It's good. It's good. He wasn't restless or worried about each day. And then He, and then he took that Sabbath and He showed us what that was like. So, Rest doesn't mean inactivity in, in the biblical sense. Even, even our dictionary defines it this way. Relief or freedom, especially from anything that wearies, troubles, or disturbs. But that's not even the biblical definition. The biblical definition is that you cease. It's finished. He was done with creation. He finished it, so he rested, and that's what it means. Um, Roger gave us the this is it the fourth fourth commandment, yes. And 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 the reason we got the commandments was because the people were afraid of God's voice. He to, he told Moses, "Gather the people together. I want to talk to them." So he'd start speaking, and they're scared. So they said, no, no, Moses, you go find out what he's got to say and come back and tell us. So he brings back these Ten, ten Commandments. He said, this is the way to live. This is the way you should live. These, follow these rules. You know. Um, and so the people had just been delivered 
you know, from, with great signs and wonders from Egypt. And for all their generations, they had carried this promise that Father Abraham, had, God had given Father Abraham. And I'll make you a great nation. And I'll give you a land. That's fine. Maybe it'd, it'd probably do a better job instead of reading scripture. <laughs> I have a hammer out back. What I use when things don't cooperate. <laughs> no problem. Um, so here they were facing the fulfillment of this promise. They've been mightily delivered from slavery and bondage. And their response was not what God had hoped, you know, after all these signs and wonders. Um, it's, this is a scripture out of Numbers. It says, Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice. The, the word listening is not just hearing. It means hearing and obeying. It has, it has this continual aspect of following through on what you hear. Um, so eventually Joshua leads them to this land. And uh, so the generation that was afraid their sons and daughters were going to die in the wilderness were the very ones that entered the promised land. Um, but they didn't do everything that God asked them to do. They didn't, they didn't clean the land out. They didn't kill everybody. Uh, and so people remained there as a thorn in their flesh. Um, and then we see throughout the judges that the land was at rest. So part of their rest was they finished wandering. That came to an end and they had a land. And when the land rested, it was an environment, basically, they were at peace with their enemies. That they kind of allowed to stay in the land. Um, but there was an environment of peace there, which was another kind of rest of the, that they had in the land. But it tended to reflect their relationship with God. There'd be peace, and then they'd go and everyone would do what was right in his own sight. And God would have to dis discipline them because of that. And so, what we have here then is, as we come through the Bible, we get to the Psalms, which Bill was reading earlier. David brings this whole thing up about rest again. And I'm going to read Psalm 95. It doesn't hurt us to hear it partly again. But starting in verse 6, one of the songs that we sang, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Those four lines right there is one of the primary purposes of Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time to worship God. And that's what David's appealing to here. But then it goes into this next section. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Masa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. 
have you not liked anybody for a day or a week or year? Forty years. This merciful God loathed this generation. And, and yet what? He provided for food for him every day. I don't think I'd be that generous, you know. Find it yourself. He said, there's a people that always err in their heart. They do not know my ways. And he swore in his anger, truly they shall not enter my rest. So, so David speaks of another day called today. And, and the writer in Hebrews picks up on this. It's like, well, wait a minute. They entered the land of rest. But the Bible says Joshua, Joshua didn't give them the rest that God wanted them to have. It was his rest. It was a different kind of rest, even though they were in the promised land. And so um, the writer of Hebrews picks up on this. And, and um, there's, a, there's a warning that comes here. There's a negative side to the warning and a positive side. And the negative is, is in Hebrews 4.1. It says, let us fear. Let us fear about not entering God's rest, not even have an appearance of falling short of it. And then in verse 11, it says, let us be diligent. So, lest anyone fall. And so, here we have this warning, but the warning is not, although it seems to work the best for, for us, is to be threatened. We tend to respond to threat. But the motive behind it is God's got something for us that he longs us to be able to walk in, and it's called his rest. And uh, as, I, as I read this passage, this morning particularly as I was rereading it, I was like, God is such a genius. You know, He didn't say, well, now if you hear my voice on March the 21st, if you hear my voice on Tuesday, if you hear my voice in the month of November, are in the first century. He said, today. Have you thought about how generous and gracious God is? When is it today? Today's today. Not if you hear your voice tomorrow. Today. But tomorrow will be what? Today. Today. That is one generous God. I, I just am humbled that Okay, until I say time is up, there'll always be today to hear his voice. And he asked just one thing. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart to that voice if you hear it that day. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of sermons that can be preached out of this. I'm just kind of hitting the high points of some of these things. So, what is it about, what makes the heart start to get hardened? Um, what, what was it that God, he said they tested him ten times, but at Meribah and at Masa, uh, which Masa means test, Meribah means quarrel, what was it at that particular time in Exodus 17 that made him, okay, he swore at that particular time, they're not entering my rest. And I read what they said and thought, I've thought that before. 
You want me to read it to you? Here's what it says. Exodus 17, 7. And he named this place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel. Because they tested the Lord saying, this is what they said. This is what Preston's thought. Is the Lord among us or not? That bothered God. After all the signs, after cloud by day, fire by night, provision, provision, provision. Think about it in your life, in my life. Has he been faithful? And how can I think, well, is he, is he with me today? Is he with me right now while I'm trying to do this? Is he with you when you step out down there? Oh, shudder to think. He is with us. He is with us. You know, Jesus at the very end before he ascended to heaven, he said go. He said go, didn't he? And he said preach. And he, and he made a promise, didn't he? What was the promise? I'll be with you on Tuesdays. <laughs> Always. He's going to be with you guys, Bill. He's going to be with you guys. And he's going to be with us that stay here. And he says, when he says, Wayne, I want you to go talk to that faculty member. Well, is God with me? Or is this just me? He's with you. He's with you. There's another thing that also bothered God and I'm sorry to say but sometimes I'm guilty of this one too God gets angry when people get tired of following his plan when he's the one charting the way providing the provisions and people get tired because it's either hard or it's inconvenient They, you question his provision, his care, and his equipping because it's hard. Basically, what that says is we're more interested in our convenience right now than laying hold of the promise, the promise of walking in his rest. Oh, just to stop being so short-sighted, Right? To have that kind of eternal vision and faith in the midst of inconvenience. I think Paul called it momentary light affliction. That's what we need to think about when it's the 18th diaper we've changed in the last 32 minutes, right? But these attitudes, if we harbor those kind of attitudes... It, it, it's this process that takes place. It's unbelief, disobedience, hardening of heart, falling away. And it's, it's gradual. It's not like it happens like that. I'm not listening this time and all of a sudden you fall away from God. Um, but here's the great thing. He gives us this, he gives us this thing to keep us from doing that. to A, a way that we can enter into um, this rest that He promises. And it's, 
it's this little thing called his word. And I don't know why he uses these these adjectives to describe it. It's alive. It's energetic. It's piercing. Thank goodness it's piercing. Thank goodness it's piercing. And it really can get right into the, the depths of where he needs it to go. Um, you know, a lot of people don't, want, don't really memorize the verse that comes right after it. Which is a very important verse. You know, no creature is hidden from his sight. We kind of like to think we are sometimes, right? If we move fast enough, uh, maybe he won't see that or hear that uh, or think about it just just a little bit. Um, with whom we have to deal. Now, that can be now or that can be later. I was listening to a podcast by Al- Albert Moeller a couple of weeks ago. And he had the statistic in there. He said there are, they've taken some big survey of the Quaker uh, group. And there's about 43% of them they find that are uncomfortable with, with the word God now. And they kind of want to see that kind of moved out of their vocabulary. But you're going to have to deal with them. Either now or later for those that don't believe he's even around. At some point, the person that's an atheist is going to realize, oh, wow. I'm really stupid. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a hard place right now. Because there he is, and we've got to deal with him. Um, but you know what? You don't have to be afraid of God's Word. We don't have to be afraid of, you know... It's terrible to, to be doing the right thing and God say, you know what? Your intentions were different than they really need to be. He's just a refiner's fire about things. Your motive is not quite what I would hoped it would be yet. So we want to hide from God's Word sometimes, don't we? So, you know, we can just, if we stay busy, uh, then it's kind of hard to hear. Or if we do all the talking in prayer, um, then he doesn't, he, we don't give him any room to say anything. So, um, but we don't have to be afraid of God's Word. The whole Word is there to keep us and move us into this place of rest that He promises. And the best thing yet is, which was talked about in the first part of uh, Hebrews 3, it says, look guys, consider Jesus as, a high, as your high priest. And it comes full circle around to the end of this particular chapter and says, hey, Jesus is the high priest who's passed through the heavens. He knows everything we go through. In some way or another, he's experienced when he walked the earth, all the temptations that we did, the rejection, everything. There's a core part of it, which I talked about last time, that he has walked in, he's experienced. And yet, yet he didn't sin. But he understands. And he understands we're but dust. And he assures us that we can come to him with confidence and do what? We can ask for mercy when we need to be corrected. And we can ask for grace 
when we need to move through something that we are not sure we really have the ability to move through. Um, I don't want to end with the scripture outside of of um, Hebrews, but in these three chapters, it talks about God's rest more than anywhere in the New Testament, in, and exclusively in Hebrews, only in these three chapters, in this kind of rest that he's talking about. And so I just would encourage you to meditate on these and, and get there instead of in and out of this rest that he promises. And um, uh, also in these same two chapters, three times, it says, hold on to your confession. Hold on to your confession to the end. Not just for two or three weeks. Not for the first 25 years. But to the end. And, you know, I, I got looking at that. Well, does that mean every time I turn around I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness or something? So I looked up the word confession. And the word means to say the same thing. To agree with. I thought, wow, that's interesting. So I just need to learn to say the same thing. Um, and I want to I want to use a passage out of um, Matthew to end with here. But before I do, um, when Jesus walked the earth, um, all the little Hebrew boys went to school. They went to grammar school, and that school was called the House of Book. It was Bet Sefer. And then if they did pretty well in that, they got to go to the next level, which would be our high school and university probably. But if they didn't, then they went back home and their dad taught them their trade. And that's what they learned. But they met, if they did go further, it was called the Bet Talmud. And that was it. That was, that was as far as you could go unless you didn't make application unless you were invited by a rabbi to come follow him if he saw potential if he saw perseverance if he saw your command of, of the scriptures and principles then he would say come follow me and and that was an invitation to come and follow him and basically learn from him learn what he thought learn what he believed um, there are there are passages that um, the 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 guys that did this as their rabbi became older and maybe they limped they would limp behind him even though there was nothing wrong with them so they emulated his behavior his thought and his beliefs and that was called taking on his yoke that was his yoke and he says come take my yoke and that's what Jesus invites us to in Matthew you're all very familiar with the scripture come to me Jesus speaking here, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Just just believe what I believe. Act like I act. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? Rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What did Jesus say he did when he got challenged all the time? Look, I only say what my father says. 
I only do what I see my Father doing. And that's what His invitation is. Learn of Him. Study how He responded to men and women when He walked the earth. Listen to Him and say what He says. Act like He act. That's what He calls us to do. And He says, if you'll do that, you'll know my Father's rest. Let's pray. Lord, we long to walk in that, not just a little bit here and there, but continually to walk in a, a peace and a rest that is totally undisturbed, totally at peace with You. And Lord, there's so much that I need to learn to come into that place. And I pray, Father, You would just continue to speak Your Word to me. Let it be living and active every day that I might walk in it. Give me a, a will and a heart to obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 13, please.